Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for all the horror things out there. We are your hosts. My name is Brandon. My name is Justin. And welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. Um, Missed you. I know, I did too. So we were definitely going to drop this episode last week, but my wife um, contracted the COVIDs. And I was uh, showing symptoms as well, even though my test thankfully came back negative. Um, but yeah, I was definitely, I was even on vacation. I was down and out and it sucked all the butts. But here we are. We're back. We're going at it. Um, a little more crunched than we would have liked, but you can't sure. control the sicknesses. I I mean, we're both vaccinated and all that good stuff, yeah. and this still got it. So, I I was I got boosted, so I'm thinking that contributed to my negative test results. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. she never did get the booster, but yeah. So here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we are gathered here today to talk about a movie that I love. Not entirely sure why, but I you yeah. know, but I do. It's. It's um, 2000's American Psycho. Um, it just seemed like a perfect playoff to play with your Psycho, and we yeah. haven't talked about it yet, and I wanted to. It just wasn't... It was kind of a daunting movie to discuss because there's so many things. It's so open to interpretation that, right. like, I'm not... I'm not that smart, so, yeah. That's why I'm here. Oh wow, they're Egon. <laughs> you, you teed yourself up. Like no. I don't know what you expected out of me on that one, but uh How about just some fucking friendship? Oh, that's <laughs> uh, I mean I'll try, but already we'll just we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's I mean it's a great movie. It is a strange movie. I think Christian Bale helps this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. I think without him this would be long forgotten. But yeah, he, yeah, he definitely like. There's a a lot, you know, a lot of names in the movie, but Christian Bale is definitely known for putting shit over the top, and he 100% does that in this movie again. Um, so turn the Wi-Fi off on my phone to be safe. So American Psycho is a, a wealthy New York City investment banking executive. Patrick Bateman hides his alternate psychopathic ego from his co-workers and friends as he delves deeper into his uh, violent hedonistic fan- fantasies um the tagline for this movie is no introduction necessary is what it says on here um definitely not what i thought it would have been but yeah that's weird yeah. i don't really know what that means but okay i don't either <laughs> you know it may not even be anything but the poster the classic poster of him with the butcher, the shiny butcher knife on the front says "Killer Looks," and so. Um, it's also dumb, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, American Psycho 2000 uh, was directed by Mary Heron, written by Heron and uh, Guinevere Turner. It is based on Brett Easton Ellis's 1991 novel American Psycho. Set in the late 1980s, the film stars Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman, a yuppie New York City investment banker is gradually revealed to be a serial killer uh, preying on homeless people, work colleagues, and prostitutes, and then finally random members of just the general public. Um, The film stars Willem Dafoe, Jared Leto, Josh Lucas, Chloe Sevigny, 
Samantha Massis, Kara Seymour, uh, Justin Thoreau, and Reese, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Um, so producer Pat, uh, Edward, Ed, Edward R. Uh, Pressman purchased the film rights to the novel in 1992, and after discussions with David Cronenberg fell through, Heron was brought on to direct, and Bale was cast in a lead role. I wonder what this movie would have been like if it would have been a Cronenberg film. Gross. More so. <laughs> More so. <laughs> Fair. It is one of the few uh, horror movies that's directed by a, a woman, though. Mm-hmm. Especially this early on. Right. Yeah. I mean, shit, Which I was... Which is cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was... Oh, this came out in 2000. But I was just about to eight, 18. Um... So, Lionsgate Films acquired uh, worldwide distribution in 97 and temporarily replaced Heron and Bale with Oliver Stone and Leonardo DiCaprio, respectively. Okay. I would like to have seen that movie, too, actually. Yeah, I don't love Oliver Stone. No, but I could see... DiCaprio would be cool. Yeah, I could see see Leo just... Oh, fucking going going all yeah. Django on him. <laughs> yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, and then um, after DiCaprio left in favor of doing the beach, instead Heron and Bale were brought back. So okay. um, American Psycho debuted at the Sundance Film Festival in January of 2000, and was released theatrically April 14th, 2000. Um, the film was a financial success and received mostly positive re- reviews with particular praise for both Bale's performance and the screenplay. It, it has so, uh, since developed a cult following. A direct uh, a video sequel, American Psycho 2, was released in 2002, albeit with almost no relation to the original. I never saw the sequel. Yeah, I, know, I forgot it existed. I, I know that it has Mila Kunis in it. I remember seeing the cover with her in the little scythe thing on the front. I just... When I heard that it had nothing to do with the original, I just, I was like another straight to DVD movie. I Cash could, grab. Yeah, I could give two shits about. So, um, the budget was, um, we can see where it is. Okay, we're getting into that. So, we already mentioned, oh, it wasn't, did I, I didn't mention Willem Dafoe. Yeah, I did say he was in yeah. it. Willem Dafoe is one of my favorites. I'll watch him in anything. Yeah. Uh, um, so producer Edward R. Pressman had bought the rights, as we mentioned, with Johnny Depp expressing interest in the lead role. Um, be after, yeah, it would be. It would be just seeing him do Jack Sparrow, but <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I hope not, but yeah, yeah sure. Um, after discussions with Troma Films' Stuart Gordon to direct fell through, Cronenberg became attached and brought Ellis to adapt the novel into a screenplay. The process was difficult for Ellis due to Cronenberg's scene constraints and not wanting to use any of Ellis's restaurant or nightclub material from the novel. The, oh. sc- <laughs> the script ended with an elaborate musical sequence to Barry Manilow's Daybreak atop the World Trade Center. Okay. I'm glad it wasn't shot, but that kind of shows you where I was when I was writing the script, Ellis reflected. I was bored with the material. Cronenberg was still listed as being attached to direct in March of 94, but with a new script by Norman Snyder. Um, Pressman appeared at the 96 uh, Cannes uh, Film Festival to pre-sell distribution rights, but to no avail. 
Mary Heron replaced Cronenberg as director while writing a new script with Gene uh, Guinevere Turner. Their approach to the material and Bateman's character was influenced by Maria Bavo, Bava's uh, giallo film Hatchet for the Honeymoon, with Bava historian Tim, Luke, uh, Tim Lucas noting that both films depict their respective protagonists as mot uh, being motivated by a desire for self-discovery in their killings. Um, Heron cast Christian Bale in a deal on good faith and attached Willem Dafoe and Jared Leto in, support in supporting roles. Development was looking to move forward following six years of uh, rejection by Hollywood Studios when independent Canadian distributor Lionsgate Films acquired worldwide distribution in 97 of in April of 97. After having waited uh, waited for a year, Bale and Heron uh, were aiming to begin filming in August of 1998 on a six to ten million dollar budget. I believe it said it was around seven but obviously between the six to ten but Lionsgate yeah. insisted uh, instead pursued Edward Norton and Leonardo DiCaprio for the lead role arguing that Bale was not famous enough Lionsgate was still hoping to finalize a deal with Heron while Bale, Bale's handshake deal without a pay or play contract was let go Heron refused to meet with DiCaprio displeased as she was as she specifically chose Bale and believed DiCaprio's scheme, screen presence would have been too boyish for Patrick Bateman. She also believed that the actor's reputation as a teen idol following Romeo and Juliet and Titanic would distract from American Psycho's production and tone. See, I I could 100% be I can get behind that. Yeah. You know definitely. what I mean? I mean, he who he is now is very different than who he was when he came out and was, you know, making a name for himself. Yep. That's true. Um, well, see, that's the thing, too. Like, they obviously both have very different looks, you know, yeah. and it's not like it's not to say one thing in favor of the other. But, you know, boyish is a very good way to describe Leo, even still yeah. like he's mm -hmm. much older now, but. He has a very rounded face. Yeah. And um, Christian Bale, especially for this, like he's a, obviously a lot more lean, a lot more cut. Mm -hmm. And like this guy is up there with Leto for like body transformations. I, I would give it 100% to Christian Bale as just oh, being. Oh, yeah. The, just seeing what he. If you've ever seen The Machinist. Yeah. It's well, disgusting he, what he put his body through to get that movie done. I want to say I thought it was he did this movie, being all mm -hmm. fucking ripped, yeah. dropping down to Machinist, and then coming mm -hmm. back for Batman Begins. And yes. so, like, if you... And when he did Batman, he actually got even bigger, and they told him to tone it back. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that was the thing for that. Like, he was much more... Like, he had the muscle definition, but mm -hmm. he wasn't as cut. It wasn't as lean. He was definitely a much more bulky... Mm -hmm. Um, which yeah, like I was like, let just let him go with it. Like that's good. Like we don't need us. Like, yeah, whatever. But anyway, that's um, a different show. It is a different show. <laughs> um, not one that anybody does anymore. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. there's a show for it out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I ever need a third again, maybe I'll. <laughs> dude, I'm. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you because I, I I'm going from one right now to possibly three very quickly and i just don't have yeah. enough time um so da, 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 lost my oh there you go so uh, lionsgate was planning to increase production the production budget to 40 million 
in hopes of securing DiCaprio's $21 million asking price. Eesh. That's quite a bit for 2000 I take it. Yeah, you and me both. Um, so... Um, at the 97 Cannes Film Festival, a press release was issued that DiCaprio, uh, DiCaprio had accepted the offer, which was quick, uh, quickly rebutted by DiCaprio's manager, Rick Yorn, who claimed the actor simply expressed interest in the part. Yorn also wanted to make sure that it was known that DiCaprio had no knowledge of the development history under Heron and Bell. DiCaprio drafted a short list of replacement directors, um, including Oliver Stone, Danny Boyle, and Martin Scorsese. Working from a new script written by Matthew uh, Markwalder, Stone was brought on board, whom Heron called probably the single worst, sing, um, si- probably the single worst single person to do it. The director, <laughs> yeah, That's I, fair. yeah, and uh, the director wanted to eliminate the satire from Heron's script, emphasizing the psycholo- uh, psychological character traits of Patrick Bateman. However, Stone could not agree on the film's direction with DiCaprio, who decided to star in The Beach instead. Bad call for him. I mean, The Beach is all right, but it's no American Psycho. Yeah, I think he, I think it's fine. I mean, if for, you compare him, the careers, yeah. I think DiCaprio ended up uh, turning out a little bit better. Well, yeah, there's not many people, you know, that can top that. Um so Bale remained committed, turning down other movie roles and auditions for nine months, confident that DiCaprio would depart. Uh, dude, if, yeah, <laughs> like if the, it, you can't say anything about the man's determination and mm-hmm. willpower, like he's body Sometimes to his detriment, yeah, but to yeah, his detriment, like he, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're, yeah, yeah. get into it, but there was yeah. some stuff. So Lionsgate made an offer to Ewan McGregor, who turned it down after Bale personally urged him to do so. He's like, don't fucking do this movie. I am bigger than you. I will fuck you up. You may be a, Je- you may be a Jedi, but I'm fucking Batman someday. All right? <laughs> um, so Heron and Bale were eventually brought back under the agreement that the budget would not exceed $10 million. Bale spent several months working out by himself... And then three hours a day with a trainer during pre-production to achieve the proper physique for physique for the narcissistic Bateman. Um, Heron said Bale suggested or struggled with the role until he noticed Tom Cruise in an in an interview on the late night uh, with David Letterman being struck by Cruise's energy and intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes. So, I'm <laughs> which he definitely yeah, nailed. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bale also used Nicolas Cage's performance in Vampire's Kiss from 1989 um, as an inspiration for this role. The filming took place between February 28th and April 23rd, uh, 1999, in Toronto and New York City. Um, If we're going to talk about this movie, we can't not talk about the soundtrack. Uh, music is a very even big... Bale can't stop from talking about the soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly like the the music in this movie is so important, and with yeah. as much as he's talking about the music, even in the movie, like I'll, like a lot of these songs, I'm about it. So it yeah, they're not as great as he makes them out to be, but they're good songs. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> Watch your mouth. Um, so well, no, they're not bad, but like. <laughs> 
you're trying to you're trying to come off like you're not as old as you really are like we didn't grow up with all these you're like no no he no, was in the news no, no i'm just kidding oh, like they're he, all fine like they're all good songs but like he talks about them like they're fucking scripture and it's like they're, they're good well the way Go, well i'll listen <laughs> well, i'll take one the <laughs> way that he talks about you know hip to be square and he's yeah. breaking down like all the fucking social connotations about it and just being like yeah. like do we know if this is 100 percent like the meanings behind this because if it's not i'd still believe it <laughs> like yeah. very convincing um so the film a soundtrack for the film was scored by john kale um who I don't know who that is, but he is a, a, Welsh, a Welsh musician who was a founding member of the rock band the Velvet Underground, um, <clears throat> with artists such as David Bowie, The uh, the Cure, and New Order. The Huey Lewis and the new song, Hip to be Square, appears in the film and was in, initially intended to be on the soundtrack album, but was removed from the album due to lack of publishing rights. Could you just imagine people buying the soundtrack for this to be like, mm-hmm. oh, it's got Hip to be Square, it's, you know, <laughs> add it to it, it's going to be great. It's, uh, it's not on there. <laughs> um... As a result, um, Cook Records was forced to recall approximately 100,000 copies of the album, which were destroyed. <laughs> well, oh. could, uh, just get your hands on an, uh, a fucking bootleg soundtrack with songs that's not even supposed to be on there. It'd be so awesome. I was awesome. going to say, if anybody has a copy of it before they all got recalled, that would be probably worth some decent money. Uh, yeah, I, 100%. Um so cook records president bob frank said as a result of the violent nature of the film huey lewis's management decided not to give the soundtrack clearance lewis's manager bob brown claimed that the musician had not seen the film and that we knew nothing about a soundtrack album they just went ahead and put the cut on there (laughs) i think that they were trying i think what they were trying to do was drum up some publicity for themselves in a 2013 interview with Rolling Stone, Lewis stated that the violence in the movie played no part in the decision to not allow the song to be included on the soundtrack. He reiterated Bob Brown's earlier denial, stating, It was in the USA Today um, and everywhere else. It said Huey Lewis saw the movie and it was so violent that he pulled his tune from the soundtrack. It was completely made up. The same year, Lewis appeared in a YouTube video from Funny or Die where he spoofed a scene from the film together with Weird Al Yankovic. In addition, (laughs) (laughs) prior to the start of principal photography, Whitney Houston refused to allow the use of her song The Greatest Love of All in the film. Her version was replaced by an easy listening orchestrated version. So this is actually, this is actually before we move on to like the release and all that kind of stuff. So the um the music that was actually featured on the soundtrack you there there he is alrighty um lost you for a second so the music from the soundtrack that's actually on it is you spend me round um by oh it's the the cover by dope which is actually really good uh something in the air by david bowie watching me fall by the cure true faith new order uh new order um there's a song called monologue two trouble paid in full who's feeling it just a bunch of these songs that i'm not necessarily feeling pump up the volume by mars but other songs that appear in the film that aren't in the movie 
walking on sunshine, I touch mm. roses, hip to be square, lady in red, if you don't know me by now, in too deep, Susudio, um, secret night, red light, simply, simply irresistible by Robert Palmer, enjoy the silence by Depeche Mode, like the songs in the movie that aren't like that aren't on the soundtrack is a hundred times better than the soundtrack itself which which i didn't all realize. the ones that you know the most are yeah, not all, on the actual all, soundtrack yeah, exactly um so um as a promotion one could uh, register to receive emails from patrick bateman supposedly to his therapist the emails written by a writer mm. attached to the film and approved by the book's author brett easton ellis followed ba uh, bateman's life since the events of the film he discusses such developments as his marriage to an impending divorce settlement with his uh, former secretary gene um, his co uh, complete adoration of a son patrick jr and his efforts to triumph over his uh, his business rivals. The emails also describe or mention interactions with other characters from the novel, including Timothy Price, who is Bryce in the film ver uh, version, Evelyn, Lewis, Courtney, David, Detective Kimball, and Marcus. However, the film star Christian Bale was not happy with this kind of marketing. My main objective is that some people will think it'll be me returning those emails. I don't like that. I think the movie stands on its own merits and should attract an audience that can appreciate intelligent satire. It's not a slasher flick, but it's not, but it's also not American pie. The marketing should reflect that. I'm not opposed to, it. I think it's clever marketing yeah. to do that, but I'm also not Patrick Bateman. So I guess, I mean, it's fine. Very, like, very I, Christian it, Bale it, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that's a hundred percent a bail move. Like I think anybody else would be like, okay, fine. Like who cares? It's, I don't think it's particularly clever, but it's whatever. Right. <laughs> I mean, they don't really do that kind of stuff anymore. It seems like that. Yeah. Um, so Lionsgate spent fifty thousand dollars on an online stock market game, making a killing with American Psycho, which invited players to invest in films, actors, or musicians using fake Hollywood money. This marketing ploy did little to help the film's box box office, but the studio's co-president Tim Ortenberg still claiming uh, still claimed that it was a success. Um, the aim was to gain exposure and awareness for the picture, and we did that. He said, "Lionsgate will make a tidy profit off the picture." Um, so, American Psycho premiered at the 2000 um, Sundance Film Festival. The MPAA initially gave the film an NC-17 rating for the for a scene featuring Bateman having a threesome with two prostitutes. The producer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the pro uh, producers excised approximately 18 seconds of footage to an, um, obtain an R rating for a uh, version for the film. Jesus. Um which is uh, fine like i what is in that movie perfectly depicts what is like what you would think would be going on right there without yeah. the need for extra yeah like you can you I, can tell he's doing what he's doing and that he's enjoying himself every second of it you know what i mean yeah. so yeah. um I'm okay. yeah Let's see. So, a special edition DVD was released in July of 2005. Um, in the U.S., two versions of the film have been released, an R-rated and an unrated version. I watched the unrated. I just don't know what the difference between the two are. Yeah, I think that's the one I have, too. Yeah. 
Um, and here we go. For the edited, ver- edited version and the R-rated cinematic release, the producers excised about 18 seconds of footage from a scene with the threesome. Some dialogue was also edited. Um, Bateman orders a prostitute, Christy, to bend over so that um, Sabrina can see her, uh, your asshole. Okay, so that was in the version that I watched. I just thought yeah, that was, I just too. thought I just thought that was in the movie, <laughs> um, which was edited to see your ass. Um, the unedited version. I ver- still don't understand. Like why? <laughs> I don't understand why ass is fine, but asshole is not. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dumb. I don't get it either. Um, <laughs> the unedited version also shows Bateman receiving oral sex from Christy. I don't remember that. Um, the un- the uncut version was uh, released on Blu-ray in February of 2007. Uh, 4K Blu-ray was released with the uncut version in September of 2018 in the U.S. and then in October in the U.K. Sony uh, Sony Entertainment also released the film on Blu-ray in Australia, Spain, South Africa, and Portugal in 2008. Um, so, American Psycho, as we said, debuted at the Sundance, um, where it polarized audience and critics. Some showered the film with praise for its writing performances, while others criticized it for its violent nature. Upon its uh, release, the film received positive reviews in uh, crucial publications including the new york times which called it a mean and lean horror comedy classic um so i'm going to skip over all the metacritic ratings and shit like that roger ebert gave the film three out of four stars and regarded uh, christian bale as being heroic in the way he allows the character to leave joyfully into despicability there is no instinct for self-preservation here and on on and that is the one mark of a good actor which I get it. Um, In his review for the Los Angeles Times, Kenneth Turin wrote, The difficult truth is that the more viewers can model themselves after protagonist Bateman, the more they can distance themselves from the uh, human reality of the sick violence that fills the screen and take it all as some kind of cool joke. The more uh, they are likely to enjoy this stillborn, pointless piece of work. (laughs) Yeesh. Um... So Newsweek Magazine's David Anson wrote, but after an hour of dissecting the 80s culture of materialism, narcissism, greed, the movie begins to repeat itself. It becomes more grisly and surreal, but not more interesting. In his review for the uh, the Village Voice, Jay Hoberman wrote, if anything, Bale is too knowing. He eagerly works within the constraints of the quotation marks Heron put around his performance. Um, and then there's a bunch more. Um, Buddy Disgusting ranked the film number 19 on this list of 20 horror films of the decade, um, with the article praising Christian Bale's disturbingly, darkly hilarious turn as serial killer Manhattan businessman Patrick Bateman, a role that in hindsight couldn't have been played by any other actor. Um, at its best, the film reflects our own narcissism and the shallow, shallow American culture it was spawned from with perceiving effectiveness. Much of the credit for this can go to director Mary Heron, whose off-kilter tendencies are a good complement to Ellis's unique style. Um, original author Ellis said, American Psycho was a book I didn't think needed to be turned into a movie, as the medium of film, as the medium of film demands answers. 
which would make the book infinitely less interesting. He also said that while the book attempted to add ambiguity to the events and to Bateman's reliability as a narrator, the film appeared to make them completely literal before confusing the issue at the very end. On... uh, in a 2014 appearance on what uh, WTF with Mark Marin podcast, Ellis indicated that his feelings towards the film were more mixed than negative. He reiterated his opinion that his conception of Bateman as an unreliable narrator did not make an entirely successful transition from page to screen, adding that Bateman's narration was so unreliable that even he, as the author author of the book, didn't know if Bateman was uh, Bateman was honestly describing events that actually happened, or if he was lying or even hallucinating. Um, however, Ellis appreciated that the film clarified the humor for the audiences uh, audiences who mistook the novel's violence for blatant misogyny, um, as opposed to the deliberately exaggerated satire he attend, intended. And like um, and like that, it gave his novel a second life in introducing it to new readers. Ultimately, Ellis said that the movie was okay. The movie was fine. Just uh, I could see the way you describing something. It's fine. It's all right. Um, I just didn't think it needed to be made. In recent years, the film has attracted a sizable cult following on various social media platforms. Um, I and so that was like I. There's been a couple times where I was actually going to try to sit down and read the book. My brother-in-law mm-hmm. has has a copy of it, and I actually brought it home from Oregon one of the last times I was there with intentions of reading it I, but I never did um, it'd be an interesting read though especially since the movie in itself even though it is a satire is you know hard to decipher what's actually going on like reading mm-hmm. that book would be even more so yeah I know one of our friends from work has read it and he I mean he says it's good I mean it's one of his favorites so yeah, I'm sure it'd be definitely be worth a read just to see what's different. Mm-hmm. So, uh, direct a video sequel, American Psycho Two, directed by Morgan J. Freeman, starring um, Mila Kunis, was released in 2002. The sequel's only connection with the original is the death of Patrick Bateman, played by Michael Kremko, wearing a face mask briefly shown in a flashback the film was denounced by american psycho author brett easton ellis in 2005 star mila kunis expressed embarrassment over the film and spoke out against the idea of a sequel please somebody stop this she said write a petition (laughs) when i did the second one i didn't know it would be american psycho 2 it was supposed to be a different project and it was re-edited but oh i didn't know bad (laughs) and so (laughs) like Oh, man. They tricked me. Sorry. (laughs) Sons of bitches. Um, So, independent musician Miles Fisher covered the uh, This Must Be Nice, uh, This Must Be the Nice Place, um, Naive Melody, on his self-titled 2009 EP, Miles Fisher. The music video is an homage to American Psycho, with Fisher imitating Christian Bale's performance as Patrick Bateman. Um, the film's influence can be seen in Kanye West's music video Love Lockdown and Maroon 5's music video Animals. On September 10th, in t- uh, 2013, it was announced that FX and Lionsgate were developing a television series that would serve as a sequel to the film. It would be set in the present with ba- uh, Patrick Bateman in his 50s, 
grooming and appearance it says andrew oh grooming an apprentice andrew lowe to be just like him in april 2015 it was stated that the show was still in development but as of 2019 it was presumed to have been canceled or in development hell where it should be that sounds horrible yeah i because if it i don't know it kind of throws a fly in the ointment of it's not really happening Right or and like is, or is it like it, it definitely one hundred percent confirms the fact. Well, does it though? But it, I guess it's is it his apprentice at work, or is apprentice like you're going to be my new killer? Yeah, and that's the thing though. That like, doesn't make sense. It doesn't make a lick of sense at all. Like why? Like why? and they yeah. kind of made it seem like Bateman doesn't actually work either. <laughs> Like he just, some people will just flat out say like you're the rich kid who was given a job to give you a title Mm -hmm. and you don't actually do anything no he just sits at his desk he's either listening to music or staring out the window and it's like yeah what do you do (laughs) um so kill people seriously or not maybe Uh, the character Bateman mistakenly attributes a quote by Edward Kemper or Edmund Kemp, uh, Edmund Kemper to Ed Gein, which was led to it being mistaken, which has led to it being mistaken as such by others. Bateman says, "You know what Ed Gein said about women? He said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things: one, one part of me wants to take her out." talk to her be uh, real nice and sweet and treat her right the other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick um funny or die recreated the hip to be square uh, square scene with huey lewis in in the bateman role and uh weird al yankovic in the allen role in the scene lewis discusses uh, discusses the artistic merits of the film american psycho and and shows the actual scene it ends with lewis killing yankovic saying try pairing another one of my songs now you stupid bastard (laughs) (laughs) um the video then plays i want a new duck uh yankovic's yankovic's parody of the huey lewis song i want a new drug uh american metalcore band ice nine kills wrote a song based on the film for their 2021 album the silver scream welcome to horrorwood called hip to be scared and feature uh, papa roach's vocalist jacoby shaddix the film is uh frequently a topic of memes and has been said by some to be relevant due to its themes and satire uh, satirical nature Oh, my goodness. So before we get into the thing, uh, let's take a look and see what we got for fun facts. Um, During production, Christian Bale followed the morning routine that his character Patrick Bateman describes toward the beginning of the film. That in itself also does not surprise me at all. No. Um, So during the shooting of the film, Christian Bale spoke in an American accent offset at all times at the rap party when he began to speak in his native welsh accent many of the crew thought he was speaking that way um, as an accent for another film they had (laughs) thought he was american throughout the entire shoot i love it when people do that it was the same thing like with um oh what's his name the guy who played rick in um walking dead um oh Andrew something. Andrew Lincoln. Andrew Lincoln. When he obviously, if you watch that show, very American accent. 
but then listening to him talk similar to like Tom Holland all these guys who have accents who turn it off Mm. for the movies or change it up it's just it's always crazy to hear people talk when you're like oh okay you got an accent (laughs) so that's your voice okay Uh, (laughs) um so the single biggest cost of the film was purchasing the rights to the various songs used throughout um, the vast majority of the dialogue in the movie was taken word for uh, word for word from the novel. That's always uh, good. Yeah. So, a sign reading "This is not an exit" is shown in the closing scene. These are the last words of the novel. Hmm. Uh, the film had various problems with the designer labels pr- during production. Saruti agreed to allow Christian Bale to wear their clothes, but not when the character was killing anyone. Rolex sure. agreed that anyone in the film could wear their watches except for Bateman, hence the famous line from the book, Don't Touch the Rolex, had to be changed to Don't Touch the Watch. Perry Ellis provided underwear for the uh, at the last minute after Calvin Klein pulled out of the project. Uh, Combe de Garçon, I, I, I butchered that, refused to allow one of their overnight bags to be used to carry a corpse. So John Paul Gaultier was used, or Gaultier was used instead. Um, so Christian Bale was warned by many that it would be career suicide for him to play the lead in a film like this. The The film only made him more eager to take the part, um, inspired by Nicolas Cage's uh, In a Vampire's Kiss. Fortunately for him, the opposite turned out to be true. Uh, Bale's role in the movie was considered a breakthrough performance and enabled him to shift his career from supporting roles to leading man status in the decades Excuse me to come. This finally culminated in roles in the Batman and Terminator franchises, wide critical acclaim, as well as several movie award nominations, including an Oscar win. Um, so the whoosh sounds during the famous business card scene was created by slowing down the sound of a sword being drawn from its sheath. That's pretty cool. Yeah. With a yeah. um, <laughs> during his big chainsaw scene, Christian Bale would happily, happily, literally hang out between takes wearing nothing but a sock over his penis and some tennis shoes. I can see that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course. Oh man. Um, to block the three-way se- um, to block the three-way sex scene with two prostitutes, co-writer and director Mary Heron and Christian Bale watched X-rated tapes. Um, in her commentary, Heron says Bale made stick figure drawings of the positions he thought would work best. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an interesting day on set. Oh my goodness. And for those that don't know, blocking in that context means like figuring out the frame of mm. the shot. It's See, not like stopping. It's figuring out the position of people, actors, lights. Okay. See, I didn't know that that was the term. So thank you for uh, pointing yeah. that out there. Um, so, the head that appears on Patrick Bateman's refrigerator was achieved by the act- actress in question sticking her head up through the uh, fridge's shelves. So, she was actually in there. That's pretty cool. Um, the name Bateman is derived from the main character of, psych- of the Psycho film franchise, Norman Bates. Um... Let's see. The business cards belonging to Patrick Bateman, David Van Patten, Timothy Bryce, Paul Allen, and Louis Carruthers each contain the same typo. On the top right underneath where the company name Pierce & Pierce is listed, the department is written as Mergers 
and acquisitions rather than um, mergers and acquisitions. Um, I'm not seeing the difference. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, that was weird. Oh, a typo. It's um, mm. They wrote acquisitions. There's supposed to be a C, and there was. It just went A-Q-U. Mm. Um, certain scenes in the book had to either be completely removed or toned down for the film due to the graphic nature, obviously, of the murder and torturous scenes. Sure. Um, after the film uh, was completed by extension, his punishing gym and healthy lifestyle, Christian Bale admitted to co-writer Guinevere Turner that he was so fucking sick of having to eat chicken breasts. I, <laughs> I get it. Um, oh, the uh, Brett Easton Ellis uh, was sent several death threats after American Psycho was published. Hmm. Um, You're too close to the truth. Stop. Stop it. Um, so Christian Bale extensively studied the American Psycho novel and the character of Patrick Bateman in order to get the feel of the character right. He distanced himself from others while on set in order to create a mysterious, unsettling vibe, which is great. Um, for uh, we'll do two more and then we'll cut it out here. So Willem Dafoe, uh, for Willem Dafoe's scenes, Mary Heron instructed him to play each one in three different styles. One as if he's suspicious of Bateman. Two as if he has no idea or no clue as to Bateman's guilt. And three as if he's undecided. Which is crazy. Like, like when you're watching the movie, like Dafoe never seems like he's suspicious like maybe just a little bit at some point you know i think it was with like the lunch going uptown yeah, but I was like, say, there was one scene where i was like he i think he knows mm -hmm. and is just trying to play coy yeah or thinks he knows obviously because it's not ends up not being true right um so bateman excuses himself from the conversation by claiming he has an appointment with Cl uh, cliff huxtable this obviously is bill Car uh, cosby's character from the cosby show um in the business card scene where paul allen mistakes bateman for being marcus halberstram all three of them were wearing the same oliver people glasses hmm. um oh the author based the character of patrick bateman off of his father the scene in which well, Patrick, no yeah, the scene in which Patrick Bateman yells at the Asian woman at the laundromat was filmed at a small cleaners on uh, Jarvis Street in Toronto, Ontario. Much of the building scenes in Escape near the final, for example, were filmed in the financial district downtown. So, like, there's a a bunch more. Oh, Keanu Reeves was offered the uh, role for Bateman. I am going to read this one just because I, I like the show. In Dexter 2006, Dexter Morgan used Patrick Bateman's name as an alias to obtain an M99 to in, uh, to obtain M99 to incapacitate his victims. Both characters notably share the similarities in the terms of each being serial killers who lead double lives. <laughs> so I'm not going to deep dive into these because um, we're going to start talking about the movie now, but we are going to post a couple links to uh, some articles that I was looking at while uh, researching the film. Um, there's one here on Cinema Blend talking about what really happened with the ending. Like, this is being debated and talked about forever. And then there's another article from The Take saying, um, is ask, asking if um, he's actually a serial killer or if it all happens in his head. And um, 
so I'll leave these up and then we'll post them. But we definitely want to know what you what you guys think. Like, yeah, what's your sure. yeah? Like, what's your take on the movie? Do you like? What do you think happened? Um, make sure to um, let us know. Comment. We'll post some stuff on the social medias for you guys to comment on. You can email us and let us know what you're thinking. Um, speaking of emails, we got an email the other day. Um, I'll read it at the end of the episode as to not, uh, disturb the flow here, but yeah, we got an email. Yay. So diving into the movie, um, I, I kind of went crazy with the notes just cause I didn't know, like we watched this movie like a week and a half ago <laughs> and sure. I, I just, I just, I, I want to do it justice and I even still don't feel like I'm going to, but one of the things that I, it was kind of funny to me is like they're talking about Paul Allen and how he's sitting over here at this table while they're all you know in this little restaurant and they're like mm-hmm. oh that's Paul Allen over there and he's like they're like no it's not like they're like arg- like not necessarily arguing but like debating over who Paul Allen actually is yeah um even though they all are you know do the business card exchange later and they're all talking like they all know each other even though uh, Paul Allen never actually calls Bateman by his name. Um, well, and that's something that happens later because when Bateman's like, I did it, I did it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And his lawyer, who you would think would know who he is, doesn't seem to really know who he is. Yeah. And Sorry, I'm readjusting. No, you're uh, I, I talked to our work friend who's read the book, and I mean, the idea is these guys are all so similar even you know his quote-unquote friends at the table mm-hmm. that they're all interchangeable to everyone else like they right. they all do the same thing wear the same clothes have the same mannerisms mm-hmm. which is why i think bale works so well because he is one of those faces that like he could be any one of those other guys too right right i i would agree with that um and this and the, and even the next thing i wrote down is at the end of that their their little lunch there you know, she comes. The lady comes with the bill, and they all reach for their credit cards to pay, and they throw them into the bowl. And every single card is the same. Like yeah. they all bank at the same place. They all wear the same clothes. Like, and the thing I love about that too is because it, it so much plays into the part to where you know everybody's trying to play this like role, this part that everybody wants so desperately to fit in, and they definitely. Like he even when he's talking with um, Evelyn or uh, Reese Witherspoon's character when they're in the back of the cab and he she, she he's like I just want to fit in mm-hmm. and it's like for everybody that's trying to differentiate themselves to be you know I'm better than this person my business card's better than yours you know I'm in much better shape than you and this that and the other like to try like they're all the fucking same yeah <laughs> like they're in like you said they're interchangeable to that point and how there's no real defining characteristics that separate any of them other than the fact that we see bateman killing people yeah you know and so um da, 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 da. Um, one of the other things that I had wrote, written down was like the like when you get his uh, first outburst when they're at the club, and he orders a drink and they don't have it, so he orders another drink and the bartender walks away, and I actually wrote it down because I was just like Jesus Christ, 
Uh, he, <laughs> he calls her a fucking ugly bitch and wants to stab her to death and play with her blood. But she doesn't hear what he says. Obviously, it's in a nightclub. Yeah. But then, you know, he smiles and winks and walks away. Like... <laughs> like okay there's there, there's little cracks in the facade uh, you know here or there and throughout where like they gradually get worse and worse but you're like oh mm-hmm. if like if i would have been in the uh, you know club standing next to him and i heard that i just been like excuse beg pardon <laughs> uh be like <laughs> i'm gonna leave here <laughs> yeah. um and then this is where we get uh, you know, we get to the next day and we're in his apartment and he's got the self-care monologue where he's explaining his routine, the apartment. It's a great apartment. And even though his apartment is not nicer by standards than what pa- Paul Allen's is, I prefer his apartment. It it looks fancier. It looks cleaner, more modern, more tech for that time. And then sure. when you see later on, you see Paul Allen's, it may have a better view, obviously over the like park and whatnot, but like it, like inside that apartment, there's nothing, anything special, like, and it may just be like the way that it's designed for that character, whatever, but there's nothing about it that like stands out to me as aside from the view as being any better than what Bateman's is. I mean, status, no, but that status kind of, aside. That plays into what we were just talking about. It's like, they all might have just one thing a little better than the other, but they're all, all they're all the same. Right. Um, but yeah, so the funny thing is, um, talking about the desire to fit in and how uh, I wrote down the, their web of affairs because, you know, Bateman's banging his friend's girl or I use the term friends loosely like yeah. everybody's kind of got a side thing going on and like that's a crazy dynamic that plays throughout the movie like she's just pilled out of her mind all the time <laughs> yeah. and he, it's a very 80s movie for being yeah, 2000s yeah um, and you know how he talks about her like even though he has no human emotion like he does speak pretty fondly about her and like you know basically having the american dream with her even though he has no feeling right. um and then having sex with multiple prostitutes and yeah. other stuff too <laughs> yeah yeah um and so uh, i had written this down because he's trying to plan a date with the girl he's having an affair with like he's on the phone with her and trying to set up mm. what they're gonna do and he's got porn on the tv in the background <laughs> Like, right well I'm, yeah and so um <laughs> it 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 doesn't surprise me because i think it happens a few times in the movie where like that's his like some people watch marvel movies in the background just having them on i i love having the shining on in the background or trailer park boys or just something mm-hmm. that you can just put on and leave on and not worry about it him is born Generally graphic. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre later on. Yes, which was great. <laughs> uh, which was great. Because um, at first, when you hear the screaming, and I'm just like, God, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, oh, it's it's TCM. Let's go. Um, uh, but then he was like, yeah, I'll get reservations at Dorcia. And then he calls. He's like, hey, I need a reservation. And then the guy just laughs at him on the phone and then hangs up. And I'm like, I, I'm so glad I live a simple life. Yeah, you know that I there like there's nowhere around here that you really need to be like, I gotta get reservations unless it's a holiday, you know. What I sure, mean like sure. Valentine's Day is coming up. If you want to go to YSC, you're probably gonna need 
to call in advance or <laughs> reserve a table but we don't really have to deal with that a whole lot um we get the we get the exchange of business cards scene uh, the business cards being exchanged that scene in mm-hmm. itself like i love this scene because they're all just super proud of their cards and bateman is just losing his shit after everybody else because it's just like oh my god the, you know this one's just a little bit better or yeah. this one's just a little bit different like each one ups the game and then uh, i wish i think i wrote down his name somewhere but um lewis lewis like his business card seems to like that's the one that bateman just kind of is like what the fuck you know this guy's a nerd <laughs> um but then they're like we, they want to see paul allen's and the way he's just like fucking looking at it like it's the like oh my god <laughs> like it's relevatory yeah like oh <laughs> my god you know and this is you know this is where we get the marcus halberstram can like mistakes him and never corrects him no. so that that kind of sets up the tone like is he patrick bateman is he marcus halberstram is he pretending to be somebody else is he trying to live this other life like well it's like you could watch this movie in 20 different ways and not necessarily be wrong like Maybe he's not actually Patrick Bateman. It's yeah, it's possible. Maybe maybe he is one of these other people, and he doesn't know it, or mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because he's so devoid of identity that he's just like, you can call me whatever you want, yeah. just give me the money and whatever everything it is. else. Um, and so we we get the scene in the alleyway where he kills the homeless man. Mm-hmm. Um and then kicks the dog i'm like what okay like shooting the guy you know asking for money i get it that's a very bateman thing to do yeah. you know he's such a bougie bitch that you know he definitely feels himself to be superior to everybody else but like yeah, he, the fact that he would just kill a homeless person is you know just par for the course really right but there was no need to like stomp the dog out like that he didn't need to do that it never is um lost points yep um and i I didn't really write anything down about you know the the graphic sex scenes it's not necessary really i mean it's in the movie we Mm -hmm. we know about it we talked about it in the intros you know look at her mostly adults here so just you know (laughs) use your imagination right um so we we get the patrick bateman uh paul allen lunch he he thinks he's meeting marcus halberstram which actually works when they try to you know do the alibi that you know he never met with patrick bateman so that would like that helped when kimball came around asking about it but, you know, we get the iconic scene. He gets uh, Alan drunk, takes him back to his place, does the Huey Lewis speech, and then, you know, just brutalizes him with a, a mirrored shiny axe. Just crushes it. And that's the one scene that I always, I always in my head thought was played out in his head. Like, I could see, like, if anything in it this It has mo- to be, isn't it? I mean, they ended up saying that, although... The other thing is that Alan that he killed. I mean, if we're really going down this rabbit hole, like that it could, could have been be, somebody else. So he just yeah, because they'd end up saying, "Oh, well, Paul Allen is actually in England and just got back." 
Right, and then, so maybe he was some other guy. It's possible. That's that. That is the beauty of this movie. It is so in, open to interpretation. Um, the one thing that drove me crazy about this too is at the end he's you know he's got um, he's got Alan in the um, overnight bag. He's dragging him out the door, and you can see the blood being trailed on the floor. But then mm-hmm. when they get him outside and he puts him in the trunk, and you can see inside the building. There is no blood streaks. And mm. I know that that's like, it could be an easy goof, and maybe it is. Yeah. I didn't read the goofs, but at the same time, the way that this movie is, I could 100% see that as being intentional. That, like, you know, there was no body in that bag. Like, or, yeah. you know, like he didn't actually kill and dispose of somebody in an overnight bag. Like, there's so many things that just. And that, that being one of them, being like, did he actually just drag a bloody body through the the corridor there? Yeah. I don't know. Or is it just he thinks that he did, so mm-hmm. he's acting like he is? Yeah. That's um, hard to say. And so the next note that I took is actually, it kind of goes off of what you were talking about. And it's like, he's sitting there with his disc man. He's zoning out or his walk Walkman listening to music. We never actually see him doing anything work related. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's at the office all the time, but he's yeah. never doing any work. And so I don't even know really what he did. He was in murders and, and he was in murders and executions. <laughs> Obviously, you know, yeah, aren't I, we all? I love that. That line, was something though. else I asked our, our work friends. Like, so what does he do? Like, I never really see him do anything. And, like, and that's where he was like, he doesn't do anything. He's right. just a rich kid given a position to say that he has this position, but yeah. doesn't actually do anything. So, uh, just real quick, because I didn't actually think about it um, previously. So. What is what is mergers and acquisitions? Um, so what that actually entails is uh, M and A is a uh, is a general term that describes the consolidation of companies or assets through various types of financial transactions, including mergers, acquisitions, consolidations, tender offers, purchases of asset of assets, and management acquisitions. Um, and so. All that stuff is a hundred percent like there there's work there, there's paperwork, there's phone mm-hmm. calls, there's all sorts of yeah. stuff that you know take place, none of which you ever see anybody anywhere doing any of it. So yeah. um so back to the thing here. Um, you know, Kimball shows up, they have the meeting, they you know, he uses the Cliff Hump a Huxtable excuse to get out, even though his meeting is way uptown and he'll never make it. Um, I did write down this is a scene where he's working out he's doing the, he was doing the crunches and you just hear the screaming and I'm like what is he listening to <laughs> and then they show it later it's you know it's uh, Texas Chainsaw and, you know she's in yeah. the back of the truck I uh, could have I would have expected it to be just about anything given like when I was watching it kind of forgetting what some of the finer details of the movie right I was like he could be watching one of his old murders he could be, right he like, could be watching some of the most you know, violent, fucking sadistic, yeah. torturous porn or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, and that's what I thought. I was like, God damn, somebody's getting it. And that does not mm-hmm. sound pleasant. No. But then you see the back of the truck where she's like, ah, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, I can't, I can't judge <laughs> him too hard for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually did take notes about 
the awkward three-way um as like he he definitely like like sets up um a tone a narrative like he he really Mm -hmm. is directing a scene where you know he's like i want you to go here i want you to do this i want you to do that and it doesn't surprise me that he has the mirrors in his room to where he can watch himself while he does it but i mean even still houses to this day still have mirrors you know for closet doors um and stuff like that glad i don't i'm very thankful i don't because i've been in my house like four plus years that shit would have been gone asap i don't like to look at myself so i i get why everybody else feels that way Mm -hmm. (laughs) it wasn't gonna let you i get enough of me today yeah right i know i'm like this like this zoom thing i'm like stop looking at me (laughs) stop looking at me no i'm talking to myself um (laughs) so it's just it's it it really shows the narcissistic uh, narcissistic side of him where he's like when you are getting it on with a lady your lady your significant other a guy whatever it may be like mm-hmm. i generally i will like to be so disconnected from the moment and just going through the motions to where you're not staring at the person that you're interacting with you know you're not taking that in you are staring off into the distance you know mm-hmm. flexing in the in the mirrors and then like you know like trust i don't know man if i if i was looking that if i looked that good shape wise my body was just fucking chiseled I still wouldn't do that <laughs> yeah. in that moment, but we I would wouldn't de- think. I wouldn't. I would definitely <laughs> would like because I do have like a, a a full length mirror in my bathroom, and so like mm-hmm. I catch myself like if I get out of the shower, I look at myself now, and I'm I'm not happy with it. But I know that if <laughs> if I if I was looking like that, I I would walk by, take a look. I might step back and take another look, give myself a quick flex, and be like, "You're doing it, bud." I think that it helps that neither of us are in that shape now. It's like... Oh, we in a shape, just not the one we'd prefer. Not to turn this into a Marvel thing, but it's like that line in Captain America. Like, those who have power Mm -hmm. are more prone to, you know, abuse that power. Yeah. And lose respect for it. But people who are born... Normal, (laughs) yeah, and like a normal person. Yeah, when you get that power and you respect it more, you and that's the thing with, yeah, that's the thing with the guys like this is like they're just good-looking guys who get everything handed to them. Obviously, Bateman doesn't even have to work at work, (laughs) and he has millions of dollars. Right, and it's like so he, yeah, he's just so full. I could see any of those guys doing that. Yeah, during that moment, (laughs) right, um. So we get to the scene. They're all sitting. They're all kind of um, gathered around each other again. Um, so he's quoting Ed Game with his buddies. They're talking shit about wi- uh, women. It um, is definitely a, a miserable circle, is what I wrote down. Because like they all just go through the motions. There's no happiness. There's no joy unless it's a way that they can flaunt something over somebody else. Like there's nothing genuine happening in these moments. Um, I wrote down how Lewis goes to the bathroom and then Bateman sneaks up behind him and he puts his hands around his neck. Like he's going to choke him. Mm -hmm. And, but he doesn't, he sets it down on his shoulders and then Lewis kind of bends over and starts kissing his hand. And then it becomes like this um, this moment that 
I don't understand why Bateman reacted the way that he did unless he didn't realize he was doing what he was doing. I don't know. Like he, he It is weird. Cuz he gets all he gets super upset, but like you walked up to a man in the bathroom while he's out and urinating in a urinal and you're putting your hands on his shoulders and if like this instance there were some sort of reciprocal feelings here like you open that door yourself that's like it's like i would i wouldn't think too many people aside from being startled at the moment would immediately go oh this person was going to choke me out and kill me but he changed his mind yeah 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 i don't i i I, I, yeah it's it's crazy and then we get uh they're in a different bathroom and we get the, the 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 famous i need to return some videotapes i use that quote I wouldn't say daily, but it is a quote that I use a lot. I want to start using it. I, when I heard it, I was like, God, I love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I So I, I'm very active on Twitch. Uh, I stream a lot. I, I hang out and I lurk in other people's channels. And when I first started out, stream etiquette is you never go into somewhere else and self-promote. It's just dirty. Like if, if you're doing your thing, I pop in there and be like, hey, I got to leave because I'm going to go stream or I'm gonna go do my own thing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a real skeezy way to operate. And so I had always, for the last four plus years of doing this now, every time I would leave somebody's stream, I would say I need to go return some videotapes (laughs) (laughs) and I would just leave. Instead of being like, hey, I I am actually gonna go stream now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like yeah. That's always been a thing that I've done on there, and uh, it's it's one of my all time favorite movie quotes. It's so great. Um, you definitely you definitely should start using it. But yeah, when if I remember it, I will. Every time I have to leave somewhere, I have to go return some videotapes. Sorry. I could see you doing <laughs> that too. Um, mm-hmm. I love it when they're in that ba- in the bathroom though, and I, I I linked this into one thing, even though I don't think it was. Because when he's like, I need to return some videotapes, that was in the bathroom with Lewis. But mm-hmm. then when they, it shows them later, I don't know how far later, but they're in another bathroom and they're they're, they're doing coke in the bathroom. And yeah. they're going back It's like and an forth. assembly line of them. <laughs> Everybody's in there just doing coke. It's, you know, like, it's like the bathroom down at Asadero. <laughs> like, it, it's just it's weird. But I love it when they're um, him and uh, Thoreau's character. I don't remember what his name is in the movie, but they're going back and forth in in the stall, and the guy in the stall next door pops his head over and he's like, um, he says, uh, he's like, can you guys keep it down? I'm trying to do some. I'm trying to do drugs, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, that's so fucking funny. Um, so. He leaves that club. He's talking to this blonde model. He's definitely got a thing for blondes. Um, and they get in the cab together and leave. And then it's the next day at work. But he's you know sitting at his desk and he's twirling some blonde hair, as to you know allude to the fact that he killed that uh, model mm-hmm. as well. Um, but he's doing a he yeah, he's he's doing a crossword puzzle at work while he's twirling the hair. So it's like. There's no mergers or acquisitions or anything going. I mean, the mergers and executions are a popping, but are you going to do any of working? No. <laughs> um, so he ends up 
inviting Gene, his uh, secretary, out to dinner. Um, and you know she's into him. It's it would it'd be hard not to be. I mean, Bateman's a, a, an attractive guy. He's in shape. He's got a, a successful job. He's got money. All the qualifications of what you would look for in a significant other. You know, he, hmm. like you don't really see any. She does. I don't think she sees any red flags up to that point to where she's like, oh, this guy's a fucking psycho. But you know, she's definitely interested in it, and I get it. Yeah. Um, but. You know, he go. She goes to back to his house with her or with him, and um, she's making. He's trying to make reservations, and you know, he's all. I can get us into the Dorsey. It's no big deal. The Dorsey is like just the place to be that nobody can get into unless you're Paul Allen. Um, but like the thing that I love about that is even though she's so into him, like she's not stupid. And she's not like blind or, you know, smitten to the fact that she's not paying attention to what's going Like she's in the moment, but like when he's making the reservation, he's like, all right, great. Eight o'clock. And she's like, but you didn't give a name. Yeah. And he's like, oh, they know me. And so like, <laughs> the, that's true. <laughs> the scene, the scene is so tense though. Cause there's mo- like, you know, he walks up behind her with the nail gun and he's opening up and you see just his tool cabinet in the kitchen and you're like well, okay that's a place to have a chainsaw sure um that's where i keep mine right right next to the veggies um and so we get the head in the freezer when he gets this uh, i think the sorbet mm-hmm. um so she ends up she gets you know she goes to leave and he's like i don't think that i have he's like uh, he says i have no feelings but he was able um he was saying that he wasn't able to control his urges and that she should leave. But see, the thing is, is like, he kind of contradicts himself there. He's like, I have no human emotion, but he has some just enough there to be like, you should probably go because I won't be able to control myself. And mm-hmm. to an unsuspecting woman who would probably want to bang, you're like that's the way she's that's the way i would have taken it being like she, like if i was with somebody and they're like i can't control myself that's yeah. where my mind's gonna go being like oh if i don't want to do this i should probably leave yeah Plus, I'm, I mean, she I'm married so i don't have to worry about that but, at the time so yeah that's oh that's true too huh mm. but the thing about that is like he's like i can't control my urges motherfucker you're controlling them right now by like giving her the opportunity to leave Otherwise, she would have ended up dead, too. But, um... Or not, because we don't know if he actually kills him. (laughs) Fair. Um, (laughs) So, we get... He picks up Christy again, which was the blonde prostitute, and she's... Mm -hmm. He's like, nothing like last time. She's like, no, I don't want to do this again. (laughs) Like, Well, the the first time they left, it looks like he beat on him a little bit, too. It's like she had a a black eye kind of thing. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um says his apartment is nicer than the oh she take he picks her up he takes her to paul allen's apartment and this is where she's and that's when they also uh pick up elizabeth which has been bateman's i guess friend which is why she was there like they they knew each other mm-hmm. which was yeah. kind of weird to take somebody you know as a potential victim but uh either way so it's funny because they're all sitting there and you know christy's like this apartment's nicer than the other one. And of course, you know, that just flames them internally. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't my apartment, motherfucker. <laughs> like, um, and so they're all in the bed. Um, Christy sees him attack Elizabeth under the sheets. 
and this is where he's like this is where it gets weird because he's chasing her through the apartment and mm-hmm. she is navigating it quite well gets out and Bateman is chasing her with a chainsaw right and it, this is this is by far the creepiest scene to me just because of also the way he plays it he's fucking mm. bloody face and just you can see Screaming the fuck shit ah like you can this and the the Jared Leto kill towards the beginning are like the iconic moments of this movie mm-hmm. yeah 100% um but the thing about this that always bugs me is me you know thinking in a literal sense about like like there's not a lot of reality in this movie and that in itself is up for interpretation but like when you're chasing somebody with a chainsaw and you're holding it and you're kind of aiming it as you're like okay when do i drop this when do i drop this like they don't have i don't think that they have auto clips where you can leave it and the thing will run on its own without triggering it so like when he drops it and fucking nails her with it at the bottom of the stairs that's awesome but mm. I don't, you know, don't think you could do that, and I like unless. I think if nothing else, it would, I, it'd kill her from the weight, not so much that it's on and going. Right. The way they depict it, I don't think would happen. No. But. But it still in itself is, it's just creepy because when he like he's looking down and he's just he's ah the way he <laughs> yells is so fucking scary mm. like if. Anybody had that look in their eyes, looking at me and yelling, deuces. I'm gonna like. I'm gonna go home. No, yeah, I'm, no. I'm done. I mean, I'm gonna go somewhere and not my home. No. <laughs> um, so we're getting towards the end of the movie. This is where everything kind of goes off the rails, even more so. So he's at the ATM. The ATM says, "Feed me straight cat." He picks yeah, up a. Weird. Yeah, he picks up the cat that happens to be right there, and it. Or was it? <laughs> or what? Oh, god damn it. In the movie, yes, it was. Um, he the, he puts a, he pulls a gun out and is holding it to the cat while he's trying to put it up to an ATM. And then, of all things, there's an old lady out there and she sees it. He shoots her. Yeah. Cops show up out of nowhere and he runs. I'm like, okay, this like everything that happens here is so far fetched that it just doesn't seem like it could have possibly happened anywhere in reality. Well, I mean, even just to get kind of nitpicky, like, if you're in an apartment and someone has a fucking chainsaw, you're going to hear it. Well, yeah, you're going to hear it. I never thought about that, but you're 100 I don't know how many people would peek their heads out and go, what you doing? Yeah, hey, what are you doing out there? (laughs) (laughs) They'd at least kind of go, what's that noise? Who has a fucking chainsaw in an apartment? Right. Who knows what time it is. But see, that's the thing, too, is like... um, we get that, but I love that he's using a chainsaw, and you know, along with talking about Ed Gein, who obviously a basis for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he's watching mm-hmm. a Texas Chainsaw Massacre while he's working out. Like mm-hmm. I love all the callbacks to that. But so in the fridge is kind of a Ed Gein thing yeah, to do. Yeah, definitely a uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. That too. Um, so. He runs. He gets in a shootout with a co- with the cops, and this is one of my favorite non iconic scene parts of the movie when he's shooting at the at the cops, and he blows up one of the cop cars. But then he stops and looks at the gun like what that like <laughs> like in disbelief that that just happened. Yeah. I thought that was so great. Um, so he he goes into a building. Security guard calls him Mr. Smith. He shoots him. 
he runs out I don't the building. Like that name. Yeah. Boom. He runs out the building, circles back in, shoots the janitor, and then leaves the building again. I'm just like, what the? You fuck? suck too. Yeah. Boom. Fuck janitors. Like, come on, Bateman. <laughs> like, he's just trying to work. Nobody, not many people are gender by choice. Like, come on now. <laughs> Um, and if you're a janitor, I mean no disrespect. I was a janitor. I was a janitor. I was a janitor as well. I I had a second job. I worked for a buddy. And my buddy had a cleaning part. Uh, he's not, he was much older. Like could have been my grandpa. He was a, a, right. a customer of mine, and he had a cleaning company. And I did that shit on and off for years. So, not making fun of janitors. I'm just saying I didn't <laughs> do it because I wanted to be. I did it because I needed money. <laughs> um, so. He runs to his office building, doesn't kill the 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 guy sitting at the security guy at the table, hides in mm. his office, calls his lawyer, leaves this crazy ass message, um, and listing off all the people he's killed, like this and that. Like Next, ever since he was a kid? Yeah. Um, like my high school girlfriend and shit like that. <laughs> it, is, it is a a really awkward scene. Um so you know the next day he goes back to alan's apartment it's clean like they're getting it ready for somebody else to move in um there's no bodies hanging in the closet there's no head in the freezer there you know or the fridge there's none of that's going on so it's like was he at like was that apartment ever at like this is the next day mm-hmm. seemingly like it there's it doesn't allude to any time past so like was he ever really there was this all in his head like like it's another layer to the puzzle of just like what the fuck well in another way i kind of took it was like these guys are able to get away with anything mm-hmm. and you know someone coming upon something like that and the shit that they've that he's done or not done mm-hmm. and just going well this is just what these guys do and sweeping it under the rug and oh. like it you could take it as a commentary on the upper echelon being able to literally get away with murder and we just kind of sweep it under the rug i never thought about it like that way but that is definitely a way to look at it um we also get the you know this is basically the end of it here though we get you know where he's talking to his lawyer He's getting real weird, real aggressive. Like he's like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" Like you know, Alan's not dead. He was. They saw him in London. He like he's back or whatever. He's not dead. You're fucking weird. Keeps trying mm-hmm. to leave. Bateman keeps physically stopping him from leaving. And it, it <laughs> you're just like, what the fuck actually is going on here? Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly how it how it ended. I thought I guess I accidentally stopped with my notes after the apartment but he has just like a commentary with himself and I don't remember his last words but it it essentially kind of throws everything up in the air of like what's real and what's not and you also see uh, the secretary going through his note oh yeah that he's constantly like looking at or his day planner and she sees all these drawings that he's done of killing people yeah, the the chainsaw in, on the back. I remember. Yeah, 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 the chainsaw on the back is one of them. It's like so. Is he, as he's doodling this, is he fantasizing about that's what he's doing, but didn't actually do it? I think so. It would it makes sense. All that shit's happening in his head. Yeah, it could be. Like, I mean, at least the killing parts. Like, if anything, because like when they talk about Bateman too, like Alan, he's like, oh, Bateman's a nerd. 
Yeah. Like he would they, never do anything yeah, like that. He would never do anything like this. So it's like maybe none of that shit is actually happening. And it's him exacting his revenge on everybody in his mind because he Revenge of the Nerd style. Yeah, Revenge of the Nerd style. Like it's a it's a possibility. And so yeah. it's hard to say, but that's American psycho in a fucking I'm so like uh, I hope that we did this justice. I feel like we talked about it better than what I expected given that the movie is so open to interpretation and I don't see myself as an interpreter of things. But I I, I think that we did a pretty good job kind of breaking this down. So um if you And there agree, is no wrong answer is the thing. Which like is I'm sure why maybe it helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what's tough. It's like I, sometimes I think when after I watched it Mhm two weeks ago or so i was like is this a good movie or is it just like is the open-endedness intentional or is it just badly written like i can't it's almost too wide open yeah i could see like you don't even know what this guy's if you really want to go deep you don't even know if this guy is who this guy says he is right like he could just be some dude in a suit and that's something else like he could just be some guy well, in a suit who's you know taking this mantle and since they're so interchangeable no one even notices well and that's like the thing that we talked about during the beginning of the the episode too is that anybody else in this movie i don't think i think honestly it is christian bale's performance as mm-hmm. everything that goes on that just sets the movie off that if anybody else would have played this role i i, I think it really would have been just another movie swept under the rug like it would have nobody would have i don't think it would have reached the status that it has mm-hmm. because of that but yeah um, it did and here we are here we are so that like i said this the uh, this is our take on american psycho if you have a different take if you you saw the same thing i did <laughs> yeah your tv is freaking out yeah i saw that too i was like oh my god but <laughs> Like, what just happened? Mars is attacking. I don't even have, a like, a remote in here, so, like, at least on me. Oh, well, um, if I die and you don't see me tomorrow, my TV killed me or whoever's in here with me spiritually. Poltergeist. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's our take on American Psycho. Uh, let us know what you think of the movie. If you are a yeah. big fan of this film, let us know how you interpret it and we'll talk about it on the you know the beginning of our uh, next episode um speaking of that i do have an email to read so before we get out of here i'm going to read that um so here we are it's uh it's from shane uh he says hello pod gore i've been listening to your older podcasts as well as newer ones and i'm really liking them thank you as always um thank you for reviewing my suggestion and i did listen to the silence of the lambs episode and liked it a lot just want to tell you uh i'm listening and i'm starting to enjoy horror movies now so i you know if like we can get one thing out of doing this show and it is turning somebody on to the genre in any capacity that may not have been there before like we may not average the highest listener count but if you know we can get one person who doesn't care about the movies to be like you know i'm going to give this movie a shot because of the way you guys broke it down that's a huge win for me in my book Mm -hmm. and i will take that any day of the week 
that's that's a successful podcast in my eyes like it doesn't necessarily have to be monetary or you know the next big thing yeah exactly but like if if we're reaching an audience and turning them them onto something they might not have been into before that is 100 percent a win in my book and it makes me so happy um yeah makes me want to delve into more obscure movies really yeah me too um and so that being said we are going to get out of here uh I, like i do apologize uh, well more of a sorry not sorry that we weren't able to drop this last week if you were wondering my wife is fine now she's back at work as of the end of last week um i'm back at work unfortunately and all is well somehow my wife's got COVID twice i've got it once and my daughter's unaffected which is all the more reason why I don't want to stick her with a needle right now. <laughs> but um, at the same time, everything's good. Um, do you want to tell us what your next episode is? I brain farted. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's your what you got going on next? I thought you were pausing for dramatic effect until I saw your face and could have been the could've blank been. expression. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Uh, so I did this on purpose, but also not on purpose, as it uh, tends to be the shortest month of the year. And I even checked, and it's not a leap year, so there's not 29 days. Nope. There are 28 days, and <laughs> so we are doing 28 days later Ooh. for February, and I'm excited. I am excited too. I, I've always, I've always enjoyed the take uh, uh, on this take a zombie, the rage zombie, mm. if you will. Um, yeah. 28 days later or weeks later i mean takes it up a notch and definitely it's still a good movie it's different i don't know but like at the same time like i'm a i really do enjoy these movies and i can't i can't wait to talk about it um so until then um you can find us on all the social media platforms and please do so like i said if you have a, a take a comment concern or criticism you want to let us know your thoughts on American Psycho, how we talked about American Psycho, all that fun stuff. You can find us on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast. We got the page. We got the group. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Gore underscore pod. Um, we are on the Slasher app at Pod and Gore Podcast. Um, you can email us at podandgore at gmail.com. There is no shortage of ways to get a hold of us, and we encourage you to do so. Um, like, rate, review, share with a friend. Who knows? This could be somebody's favorite podcast. They just don't know it yet. Um, uh, and I'm not going to ramble, so um, we're going to get out of here. We, um, we've been your host. My name is Brandon. My name is Justin. And we will see you guys next week with 28, le- uh, 28 lakes. 28 weeks. 28 days days fuck yeah we'll be back next week with 28 days later Later. oh god not the sandy bees again dude (laughs) oh man i had a nap and a cup of coffee before doing this you think i'd be a little more coherent all right guys we'll see you next time bye bye